Hey, I'm Courtney Brooke, and this is Hustle for Happiness podcast. We are all on this journey to find happiness, and let's face it, it takes work. And honestly, it's not always rainbows and butterflies. This podcast is dedicated to helping you navigate life and cut through the noise. As a certified life coach, recovering perfectionist, and survivor of the foster care system, I'm all about keeping things real. With my unique outlook on life that is truly infectious, we cover everything from achieving happiness and optimal self-care to stories of those sharing their wisdom and expertise. Thank you for showing up for yourself. Now, let's get started. I can't believe you're here. I'm so excited. Like, we started our relationship. (laughs) She slid into my DM, you guys. Julie, you're like, who's here? Okay, Julie is a gut specialist, certified, registered. Tell me all the things about you so I don't butcher. (laughs) I don't want to butcher your intro, but I am so amazed by what you're doing for not only my life, but the people you help. Yeah. So I am a registered dietitian. I specialize in gut health and I can tell you all about kind of my own journey with gut health because it was uh, quite the experience. But now I work remotely. I do a lot with functional testing and one-on-one coaching and I absolutely love what I do. How did you, like, why gut health? Like, there are so many professions and you're like, hmm, I'm going to focus on the gut today. Like, why the gut? So it's funny. So my family stomach issues just like runs in my family. My aunt and uncle, they have colitis and everyone was always like, get ready, like be prepared. You're going to have stomach issues one day. And I most certainly did. So like starting in high school, I had an eating disorder and I was significantly under eating Mm. and it just like triggered all of these problems when it came to digestion. I got to college, the issues got worse and it got to the point where I was living in New York City with my fiance and I was so sick that I couldn't eat. I didn't want to leave the house. I was bloated all the time. And I went to see this specialist in New York City. And I walked in and they looked at me. They felt my stomach and they were like, yeah, you just need, you need fiber and water. And I left the Mm -hmm. office and I started hysterically crying because I was like, this is not the answer. Like, this is not going to help me. And so I started diving into this world of just like functional nutrition. And I was one of those people who was like, that's very woo-woo. Like that stuff doesn't work. And then the more I researched it and the more I started doing these things in my own life, I was like, huh, like this, this has a lot of merit. But the crazy thing was when I started fixing my digestive issues, my skin started clearing up. I started losing weight. My body composition was changing. My mental health was like insanely better. And so that kind of inspired me to get into that field in terms of nutrition and dietetics. And then, uh, kind of went full force into it a couple years ago, and I've never looked back. I mean, if you guys don't follow Julie, she's viral on TikTok. Like, <laughs> and me, I'm like building my career, but we're here building together. And I yeah. think that's what's amazing about this podcast is we're all on this journey to find happiness. Yeah. And Julie, like you said, you so bring it back to your intro of you had gut issues. What, like, what were you seeing? Like, yeah. I don't, like, there's so many different types of gut yeah. issues, right? There's not just one thing. Like, yeah, what's no, a gut I think issue? it's like, such a wide variety of different symptoms. So for me, at first, it was just like typical symptoms. Like I was bloated after meals and some bloating is normal. You know, you eat a big meal, you're going to be like a little bit bloated if you overate. Yeah, exactly. But I was so painfully bloated that my stomach was like rock solid and it would be like that from like morning until going to bed. 
And then on top of that, I was experiencing all these other issues. And at the time, I didn't realize that they were connected to gut health. So I started having skin breakouts and I was never one to have skin issues. Like it was like, it was a rare occasion. And all of a sudden my face and like I was getting eczema flare-ups on my skin too. So not just like acne related. (laughs) And then on top of that, it's just like, like a mental health issue. I think health anxiety, like having this fear of eating new foods or going out in public because you're not sure when your digestive issues are going to act up. Oh, yeah it just triggered a ton of mental health issues. And so it was a pretty wide variety of issues for me, but I think the biggest and the first thing was the bloating. I feel like so many, like there's this trend or this meme going around on Instagram. Like if you're not a hot girl, if you don't have stomach issues and I'm like, gosh, we as a society are normalizing stomach issues. We are. And like you see like these pills, like take this pill to fix your gut health. And I'm sure that triggers you. I mean, me, me, I'm like, oh yeah, this pill is going to fix it. But I'm like, that is not true. But back to stomach and bloating and you see these things and I just have to address it. Is that really normal to have to, to be walking around with stomach problems? Like you're, no. let's like stop saying you're a hot girl with stomach problems. Yeah. Like, right? What what do you feel? I think that we've just normalized right? all of this. I, I think that it's become something where it's like, oh, you get bloated. Okay, that's normal. Or oh, like I'm gonna bring up poop right now. We're gonna talk about poop. Poop but talk. Like, I love poop talk. People will only go to the bathroom once a week and they'll think it's normal. Oh, and it's my like gosh. that is one of your body's ways of detoxifying. And if you're not right. pooping, like it's not good for you. It's not for your gut health. It's not good for your overall health. So it's like we just make these things so normal. And I think it almost makes getting or asking for help more difficult. Right. Because it's like you go to a doctor or you go to see someone and they're like, oh, no, it's fine. Like, give it a couple months or like, this is, this is normal. This is just what you have to deal with the rest of your life. And it's not. It's not. At all. And that's where people come to you. Yeah. Because I used to be one of those girls. I work with a nutritionist. I've talked to Julie extensively about poop talk. And it's like, (laughs) I used, if you don't follow her, you see that she just addresses these issues head on. But, you know, me, I wasn't going. Yeah. I was, I mean, I was one of those girls once a week, not going to lie. I held on to that. <laughs> We're talking about all and of And I knew I was one of those people. Yeah. And so I think, like, here today, I can't wait to dive in yeah. and just address some myths. So stay tuned for this. We have a hot take at the end. We are literally going through, what, 10 different myths that yeah. you see Common ones. Common ones that we're just going to annihilate. I feel like let's just get real. We're going to knock it out. But in the meantime, you mentioned about mental health. And let's just start this podcast off with how does gut impact overall well-being and mental health? Yeah. So I think when it comes to our gut, we always think about digestive issues, right? We're like, oh, bloating, constipation, reflux. Yeah, it's the food that you put in your body. But gut health goes so much further than just digestion. And I think the more research that gets pumped into the field right now, the more we're learning about that connection. Yeah. So in your your gut, so essentially like your esophagus, you know, right down to when you're going to the bathroom, you have something known as your enteric nervous system. And it is essentially connected to your central nervous system. But your brain and your gut are in communication all day, every day. Yeah. So when we're dealing with digestive issues, it can impact our mental health. And it's it's crazy to me because I think the more research that we see, the more that we're learning about this connection. But mm. people used to think that when people struggle with like mental health issues, anxiety and depression, a lot of times you'd also see issues with digestion like IBS or IBD. And it was kind of thought that it was the mental health issues causing the digestive issues. But now researchers are starting to think that it's actually the digestive issues that could be causing or triggering the mental health issues. 
I mean, I what seriously comes to mind when I hear that they're all connected is one, that belief that, you know, gut is about what you eat. Yeah. But you're telling me that it starts at the mouth. Yeah. Our digestion starts at the mouth. I'm yep. just chewing in beginner's terms. <laughs> but then it goes into the brain and it simply connects to our brain on, you know, is this maybe, is it good for me? Is it bad for me? Or where do you see the mental health? Is it the nutrients or where does this mental health play in? When we're talking about mental health, I think there's still a lot of research to be done in the area, but a lot of times it's impacted by our gut microbiome specifically. So in our gut microbiome, that's where we have, you know, all of the bacteria that are living there, both good and bad. And these bacteria, they, you know, produce different substances essentially or chemicals that are transferred to our brain that can impact the way that we feel or can impact things like hunger levels. Interesting. So it's not necessarily that like we eat something and it instantly signals to our brain. It's more happening in that microbiome. Interesting. So I've noticed that, for instance, when I drank, I was hungover. I am so sluggish. I feel sluggish. I crave bad food. And I don't feel 100%. Do you think that's all like obviously what I'm putting into my body, but then the the microbiome in my stomach is all part of that? Or is it like when it hits your stomach, I'm sure readers are like, well, is it when I, what I eat, how I eat, when I eat, what, how do we balance that? Yeah. I think all of those factors come into it. You know, when it comes to alcohol, I'm going to be like the bearer of bad news and no one wants to hear it. But in my opinion, I don't think any amount of alcohol is good for your gut. Right. Alcohol is a toxin. It can cause inflammation. It can trigger a leaky gut. It also puts a burden on your liver. And so it's hard because I do know that alcohol is part of social experience. You know, you go out, you have a drink. And I'm not against alcohol. I mean, I'm going to call myself out. Like, I'm the first one to enjoy a glass of wine when we're going out to a nice dinner. Absolutely. But I think it's about moderation. Yeah. Not drinking on an empty stomach, but also that kind of like, 80-20 80-20 mindset where you're you're focusing on eating really healthy, nourishing foods most of the time. Right. And then on occasion, you have that kind of wiggle room. And I feel like being intentional. I'm like so an yeah. advocate on intentionality, not just 100%. because I can or because I'm stressed out, yeah. I need to have a drink. Like back yeah. to the alcohol, we can go on this tangent, but yeah. alcohol does have a play in I'm sure our gut. Yeah. yeah. Right? So 100%. how does alcohol, you think, affect the gut? I think so. First of all, it can cause inflammation. Okay. So it can, when inflammation is in our gut, so when our gut is inflamed, it can cause inflammation throughout the rest of our body and things like our skin. Again, it can result in skin breakouts. Mm-hmm. With alcohol too, you know, we've got to talk about the, the stress and the burden that it puts in our body in terms of detoxification. Our body sees alcohol as a toxin. So it prioritizes getting that out of our system above digesting food. So if you ever, you know, you're drinking, you're eating a lot of food as well, you're probably eating not so healthy foods because right. we all know you're not going for like hummus and veggies after a night right. of drinking. Go have a nice salad. It's like <laughs> pizza and French fries. Yeah. But they're also higher fat foods, which slows digestion, combined right. by the fact that now our body is prioritizing getting the alcohol out of our system and it's downregulating digestion as a result. So we wake up the next day, our body's not digesting the food properly. We're hungover. We don't feel good. You know, we're probably dehydrated. I think right. it's like the perfect storm of feeling like crap. Right. And it bloats you and you feel like crap. Mm-hmm. And I let's let's run with this. So it really comes down to lifestyle and yeah. how it affects our gut. So including exercise and sleep patterns, yeah. do you feel like those affect gut health? One hundred percent. So there's there's research that shows that engaging in exercise actually increases microbiome diversity, which is kind of a crazy concept because we know the more diverse your gut microbiome is, the healthier you are gonna be overall. So just by increasing your movement, you can have a healthier gut. And then in terms of sleep, so 
there's some research that shows that when we're talking about our sleep, certain bacteria can actually impact our quality of sleep. But on the other end of things, when we aren't sleeping, it's going to increase our body's stress levels. And when our body is stressed, that wreaks havoc on your gut and our nervous system in terms of nervous system regulation. So they're all connected. And that's why I think when it comes to digestion, we always go right to food and supplements. But we don't always address the lifestyle. You know, what are your habits? What's your morning routine look like? What's your evening routine look like? How are you managing stress? Are you, you know, chronically in that like fight and fight state? Or are you eating in a parasympathetic state? And all of these things make a huge impact when it comes to digestion. And I'm going to just run with that. You know, it starts right when we wake up, right? The first thing we put into our body, you know, the society as an American culture, and I'm not speaking on half of Europe, but I know that they love their coffee too. The first thing we're putting into our bodies as a society, and I'm not saying everyone, but it's not necessarily water. It's not, there's this apple cider vinegar trend. There is athletic greens. I'm sorry, but. Not a huge fan of greens powders. Yeah. I I feel like the real food or getting it from real whole food sources is always best. But aside from that, I think if you are using a greens powder, you have to be addressing quality. I'm not going to name brands because I don't want to get in trouble by saying anything wrong here. Um, But there are certain brands that are being pushed out on TikTok right now. Like you will scroll through TikTok and you'll see this product everywhere. They're not even third-party tested. Like you're not even guaranteed the quality of that product because they're not spending the money to third-party test their product, which to me is a a big red flag. And for those that don't know, including myself, what's third-party testing and why does that make it? more credible. Yeah. So the supplement industry is a probably a multi-trillion dollar industry and it's not regulated. So essentially companies can make whatever claims that they want in their product and no one's there to say, oh, that's incorrect or that's wrong. There is some regulation, but there's not a lot. So when something is third-party testing, that company is paying a third party, like a testing facility, to actually test the product and show that what what it says in the label is actually what you're getting in the product. So it's important just to make sure that you're you're spending your money on something. It's actually doing what it's supposed to be doing, and it contains the ingredients that it's supposed to. I mean, it's just this huge, huge thing about influencing and really being intentional. Yep. The last episode I recorded, if you guys watch, is de-influencing. I'm a huge advocate yep. on actually these influencers taking responsibility yep. and researching what they're promoting well, and believing in it and I standing behind companies that are tested, that are credible, yeah. that not just be to make a quick buck. And I think that's a huge yeah. play into this. And I've, I've, so being on social media, I've had a lot of brands reach out to me and they want me to promote their products. Right. And I've had some pretty well-known companies offer very, very large amounts of money to essentially make claims without even trying the product. And oh it's crazy because it's just so money-oriented. And that's why I always say just be careful where you're getting your information from social media. And it's not everyone. There are some fantastic influencers out there, and I trust, you know, what they say. But do your own research. You know, be your own advocate. I yep. think, you know, especially when it comes to supplements, we don't all need to be taking a thousand and one different things. And so it's right. just so important to know what you're taking and know why you're taking it in the first place. And I think to piggyback off of why we're talking about these influencers and, you know, these greens, like back to starting our day and how the Mm -hmm. whole digestion system and gut help. What do you recommend someone starting their day with? Yeah. So in my, like, I'm going to tell you like my morning ideal gut health routine. And I try to practice this as much as often I can, um, depends on the weather. But first thing in the morning, what I do is I expose my body to sunlight. So I get up and I try to get outside for five or 10 minutes. Maybe I do some yoga on the porch or I go for a walk with my dog. But exposing your body to sunlight actually can help to stimulate digestion and kind of signal to your body that it's time to wake up. It's time to digest the food. 
Then I have a really big glass of water before I have anything. I take my supplements, usually on an empty stomach. Then I have my breakfast. So for me, um, my go-to breakfast right now, I do sourdough bread, I do scrambled eggs, and I do avocado. And I'm obsessed with it right now. Um, And then after that, I have my cup of coffee. So only after I eat do I jump to the caffeine. And I think that's a huge thing. And maybe you can explain to me and the people that are listening, like, why What's wrong with coffee in our stomachs? Like, why do you wait till after food? Is there something that we should be looking out for when maybe if we're not a coffee drinker, but you are a greens drinker or you have something, why water and these supplements before and then food and then putting this liquid in? So for coffee in particular, so having coffee in an empty stomach can impact cortisol levels throughout the rest of your day, um, which can kind of impact mood. It can impact things like hunger levels. Also, it's very acidic. So for some people, having coffee in an empty stomach in terms of digestive issues, especially reflux, just isn't ideal. So if you're having food first and then coffee, it's going to make it a lot more gentle and a lot easier for your body to kind of digest if you do have those issues. I do think, you know, if you don't eat breakfast in the morning, which I don't recommend, you should always eat breakfast first. Having it on occasion once in a blue moon, is it going to cause any, you know, crazy issues? No. I think it's just a habit we should get in the routine of long-term. Intentional living, right? 100%. I think being intentional, yeah, it's easy to reach for the cup of coffee. It's savory. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. And I fall guilty of this, but it is being intentional right when we wake up. And, you know, you said sun, you said your supplements, and you said drink that water. Those, I mean, the sun and water are free things that people could start right now, not even hiring you. And know what's another good one too, which I think it's made a huge difference in my own life is no social media until after I have breakfast. Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, we all can be guilty of that, but I think this, the psychological and bringing it back to this mental health and intentional living is what are you putting in your brain? Scrolling or not scrolling, maybe read 10 pages a day or whatever it is, but scrolling or food or just being intentional throughout all the aspects, right? Yeah, I think you kind of nailed it on the head with just intentional living and, and doing things that are going to make you feel good in the long run. I think we're a generation of instant gratification. And so yeah. we do things in the moment because it gives us that like instant high, but we don't think about how we're going to feel, you know, a couple hours later or how that's going to impact the rest of our day. And so right. just taking a step back and being like, okay, you know, maybe I want this right now, but is it the best decision for for me and for my health and for how I'm going to feel? And I think another thing that comes into play that just totally popped into my mind was you see people starting their day and there's this trend, at least on my feed, is their morning routine. And a lot of people have their greens or coffee. And I'm hearing that's a big no. Like you say, do what's best for you and really to be intentional with that and figure out what's best for you. But it's hard to, it can be hard to navigate. It's so hard. And I think social media is great because there's so much information available to you. You know, years ago you would Google this and you wouldn't find much information, especially with gut health. And now you have so much information at the tip of your fingers that I think it's overwhelming. And also I think at the end of the day, Every person has a different, unique body. What works for me might not work for you. You know, I think it's so individualized and it's figuring out what makes you feel good. No one knows that except for you. And I think that's where, again, going back to being intentional, but also just like being in tune with your body and realizing like, what's your baseline normal? What's the the place you want to be to feel good? And when you get away from that, what can you do to get back to that? And and for me, and I can only speak on me, but what feels good might not be that cup of coffee, right? Like it feels good to have that ritual, but create a new ritual around intentionality. And I'm hearing sunshine and water, right? I love it. So I'm going to piggyback off of another topic that we briefly touched on is these 
products that are being influenced yes. and piggybacking off of marketing. Now, there are so many labels and it's actually yeah. like, how can individuals navigate these marketing, also known as health halo, yeah. where these products are not really certain, they're not they're not researched, they're not yeah. third company partied researched. And there's these yeah. brands that are looking healthy and appearing yeah. healthy but they're not. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I applaud some of these companies for their marketing skills because they do a fantastic job. Yeah. It can be as simple as making the coloring on the packaging be more natural and more neutral colors. And you automatically see that and you associate it with being healthier. But also the names of different products, they'll throw in the world gut health, the, the word gut health, or they'll, you know, add some, you know, natural, natural or terms. High in exactly. fiber, for instance. Like, yeah. And it's, it's, it's confusing because I think you see it, it and if you're not looking at the ingredients and you're not looking at the nutrition facts on there, first thought might be that it's a great option until you actually dive into it and you're saying, okay, you know what, maybe this isn't as healthy as it seems. Right. And I think having you as a resource and being a part of a team for someone, and when I say team, like I have a nutritionist, yeah. I have a trainer and it's not expensive, but being able to either research or have that team when you can to bounce those labels off of you or yeah. people like you because, again, the noise yeah. is loud right now. There yeah. are some really good marketing teams out there that really do a good job, and I don't blame people for no. wanting to try that. Yeah, and I see it a lot in the gut health space right now. I think because gut health is just, just like booming industry right now, right. everyone wants their piece of it. Right. And there's so many products out there that I'm seeing being marketed as gut-friendly or they're completely focused around gut health. And then you look at the ingredient list and there's like artificial sweeteners like sucralose, uh, you know, there's sugar alcohols like xylitol, right. which for some people with digestive issues is a big no-no. Or there's, you know, gums and fillers. And it's not to say you can never have these ingredients, but if you're someone who's struggling with digestive issues, you need to like take a look at that and, and see if it's something that could be triggering the symptoms right. that you're experiencing. And this diet or low calorie, oh, you roll your eyes right now. <laughs> For those of you not watching on YouTube right now, she totally just looked at me. But I have to like call it out. I've seen, I mean, I've been guilty. James has been guilty of this. I've had friends zero low it. calorie products in an effort to improve their health yeah. or lose their weight. What yeah. are your thoughts on these products yeah. and do they have any impact on gut health? Yeah. So I... Low calorie does not equal healthy. And I will scream that from the rooftop because I think we associate low calorie with being a healthier option. Right. And I went through the uh, Diet Coke phase. I will admit that one. I like drank Diet Coke all the time and I thought it was the best thing ever. And now I will not touch it with a 10-foot pole. But Why? When you're looking at the ingredients, so when you have, you know, a product and you make it low calorie or low sugar. No, or zero sugar, yep, no zero calorie. Sugar, yeah. I've you take something out, you have to put something in to replace it. If you took away all of that and you didn't add something back in, it would taste like crap. So these companies, <laughs> right. these like, I don't know who does it, food scientists, they add back in all of these chemicals to replace the taste while still keeping it low calorie or low sugar. And what they're adding back in is far less healthy than what they took out originally. In my personal opinion, if you're choosing between a diet soda or a regular soda, not that I really support either. I think there are much healthier <laughs> options out there, but I'd rather you have the regular soda than the diet product. Okay. Whole ingredients. Yeah. Whole ingredients. I mean, I think at the end of the day, the less processed we're eating, the healthier we're going to be overall. And if you look at a lot, there's something called the blue zones, which are area of the world where okay. people live the longest. And if you oh. look at their diets, 
there's no diet products. There's no low sugar. There's no processed food. It's all whole food-based eating. And I think that's what makes such a huge difference. And so for those listening, what are some healthy gut-friendly alternatives to refined sugars or artificial sweeteners that people can incorporate into their diets? It's a tricky one. I think so. We've got our like our traditional artificial sweeteners. So like Splenda, Equal, um, those types of brands. I say no to all of those. I would absolutely cut those out of your diet. Again, especially if you're someone who's experiencing digestive issues, those would be one of the first things I'd say to eliminate. There are more natural options like stevia and monk fruit. However, the more research that comes out about those, the more that we're seeing that they're actually not all that great in terms of your gut. Things like stevia, um, I was reading something the other day that was saying that stevia can interrupt the communication between the bacteria in your gut microbiome, which is not a good thing that we want. So I think- my recommendation is less and is more. If you are choosing a artificial sweetener, I would go with stevia or monk fruit. Okay. Um, again, look at the label. A lot of those brands actually have a mix of, you know, things like sucralose with stevia. So you want it to be like a pure stevia versus something that's uh, more artificially mixed in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I don't see anything wrong with like some honey or some agave in moderation. You just don't want to go crazy with the amount that you're having. Right. And I, and there's so many ways to make something taste good yeah. in a, in a healthy way. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite brands, this is not a sponsored ad. Maybe one day they will sponsor me <laughs> I because I, say. <laughs> Simple Mills is my favorite. I love Simple Mills. Right? So we got it. We got Mills. an approved brand and we're not being paid, but hey, <laughs> <laughs> holla at your girl. <laughs> but Simple Mills is one yeah. of my favorite. It's a yellow label. You can't miss it, but it's actually ingredients you can pronounce. Yeah. And I think that was my rule of thumb when I started learning about gut health and really touching mm-hmm. back on acne and eczema, I had gnarly, gnarly acne all along mm-hmm. my jaw. And yes, I got the laser done, but with for acne, but I knew that there was still yeah. an underlying issue yeah. Yeah. and it's the sugar, it's the caffeine and it's the alcohol. Yeah, the alcohol. And I'm no haters, but like you guys have followed me on Instagram. I talk about being sober curious. It's this intentional living yeah. of just being more sober, not completely cutting out alcohol, but living life in a more intentional way that's yeah. not necessarily revolved around happy hours and brunches, yeah. right? And I think especially, I mean, being in like a small mountain town, there's such a culture around drinking. And I think yes. like when I was in, in Wyoming for you guys yeah. tuning in, we're, we're recording from <laughs> Wyoming. <laughs> Even when I was living in New York City, so much of our social life revolved around drinking. And it can yeah. be really hard to make that transition. But I don't think at the I think at the end of the day, you don't need alcohol to have fun. Right. And I think it's learning that because for me, it's like, okay, what am I drinking for? Is yeah. just being in social situations the only way you can have fun? Okay, what yep. where do I have fun? Yeah. And again, it's this mental health, it's this intentional living, it's lifestyle, all yeah. goes into play of gut health. But what yeah. am I doing for me yeah. that is good for me? Yeah. You know? And also surrounding yourself with people who support your goals and yes. don't make you feel bad about it. Right. And yeah. I think that's super important. But for those learning to not drink in social situations, it's maybe removing yourself from those situations that kind of push you to drink. Yeah. Yeah. And finding other ways to have fun. Right. And I mean, it's not that hard no. in Wyoming. <laughs> I was going to say, there's I mean, lots we, to do. Literally, like I'm looking out the window right now, it's a playground out there. I, it is. Okay. So to continue yes. on this grocery um, label yes. shopping Well, how do you feel about processed food when aiming for a better gut health? And are there certain processed options that can still be included in a balanced diet? Yeah. So I think think processed food gets a bad reputation, but some processed food isn't necessarily bad for you. So for example, buying frozen veggies, that's processed. Oh, it is. Buying pre-cut fruit, that's processed. Anything that's taken outside of its original form is processed. Oh. So I don't think all processed food is bad. And I also think there's something to be said about convenience, right? Like- 
there's, I, I get um, an order from like Thrive Market and I always get their like minute quinoa packages because yes. it's done in one minute. It's easy and convenient. And yes. if I have to sit here and cook it for 25 minutes, I'm not going to make it. Right. So that type of processed food, I think if it makes your life easier and you're actually going to eat healthier because of it, it's not a bad option. It's actually a lot of times a good option. When it comes to highly processed food, like, you know, chips, cookies, frozen dinners, that's where we really want to be limiting it. Okay. And again, it's not to say we can never have it. It's just that 80-20 rule where we really want to focus on staying away from it and really doing whole foods 80% of the time. And then, you know, if you're traveling on the road and you need to grab something quick or you, you know, are exhausted at the end of the day and the only option you have is a frozen dinner, you know, so be it. But I also think that a lot of brands are seeing that people want healthier options. Yeah. And there's a lot of really fantastic, even like frozen dinners now that are very healthy in terms of ingredients. Right. So I feel like for those listening, at least for me, I thought processed food was like Oreos, yeah. French fries, like deep fried yeah. chicken, um, chicken nuggets. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's actually really nice to hear that coming from a gut specialist. Yeah coming from a trusted source, that processed foods are actually good for us and convenient. We just have to look at the labels, yeah. right? You know, I do microwaved rice, for instance, yeah. but there is some rice that has sugar in it. Yeah. And then there's rice that is just whole brown, yeah. organic jasmine well, rice. It's, it's the same thing. Like when you look at things like peanut butter or like pasta sauce, right? Like how often are we going to make homemade pasta sauce? Like I love homemade pasta sauce. I'm Italian, but like I don't have time for that most of the time. Okay. So I'm going to buy my pasta sauce. But if you look at the label and you compare, yeah. some brands actually have like five or six grams of added sugar per serving for pasta sauce. And the right. same thing goes for things like peanut butter. And ketchup. Yeah. Those are foods you don't need added sugar. And that's where just looking at the nutrition label can make a world of difference. Right. And on the nutrition label too, the cool thing is they updated it a couple years ago and you can actually look underneath carbohydrates and it will actually specifically show you added sugar. So you know if you're having a product that is containing a lot of additional sugar that you might not need to be having. So what is a rule of thumb for like when we're looking at a label and people are now going to the grocery store after listening to this podcast and really being intentional with their buying decisions – What's a considerable amount of quote unquote sugar? At least for me, I look for less than one gram because I'm like, that's added. But me, I'm an extremist to an extent. But for you, not for you, but when you are coaching your clients and yeah. telling them about this, what do you? what's your rule of thumb when shopping? It's tricky. I think less is more in general. Yeah. I think we should always be aiming to get the least amount of added yeah. sugar in our diet, especially if you're dealing with like a candida overgrowth, which is a type of yeast, or you're dealing with like a bacterial overgrowth because they feed on sugar and they thrive in sugar and that yeah. can worsen the issue. And in some situations, I think you do need to be a little bit more extreme okay. than in others. The kind of recommended amount of added sugar, and don't quote me on this, I could be a little bit wrong, but I believe it's 24 grams of added sugar per day for women. I think that's a lot of added sugar. I do. I think it's a lot more than we need. I don't have a specific number. I just try to keep it as low as I can, especially for products where there are options that do have lower amounts of sugar. Okay. Well, you hear that. Like, just be mindful when we look at our ingredients. I I love just trying to make a meal out of whole ingredients. Yes, we can do moderation. We have to look at these things. So I'm going to totally pivot completely I want to know, as we get older, you know, our bodies change yeah. as females, but can your gut change as we age? Yeah. Like, what can older adults do to maintain their healthy guts? Like, yeah, yeah we're being mindful, but now let's talk about things we can't control, like we age. Yeah. Yeah, I could talk about this topic forever. So 
as we age, the diversity in our microbiome actually tends to decrease. And there's also this, have you ever heard of the term inflamma aging? No, let's hear it. So inflamma aging, it's essentially this concept that as we age, there's an increase in inflammation and inflammation causes a lot of disease. And so we know a lot of inflammation stems from our gut. And there's certain species too that we see changes in the levels. And I'm not going to get super sciencey on here because I'm sure people don't want to hear that. But when we're seeing higher and lower levels of certain bacteria, it can impact things like, you know, the intestinal permeability. It can cause issues in terms of, you know, osteoporosis and common issues that happen when we age. So I think continuing to focus on gut microbiome health as we age is a really great way to actually promote longevity. And if someone doesn't have a dietitian, gut health specialist like you in their life, you know, I see these kits that you can take home and test inflammation or, you know, what you're like allergic to, like all these different kits. Do you find those trustworthy? It depends. Okay. I kind of need the tea on this one because I'm like, do I do this? Yeah. So what I use, so the the most common test that I use with my clients is the GI map test. Now, this is more specific if you're struggling with digestive issues, but it is a stool test that gives us a snapshot of what's going on inside of your gut. So we are looking for inflammation measures. We're looking to see if your body is producing adequate digestive enzymes. We are looking at your body's reaction to gluten, you know, uh, candida overgrowth, specific levels of good and bad bacteria. And from there, we can figure out the root cause of a lot of digestive issues. When we're talking about food sensitivity tests, I could rant about this one for hours. So many of the ones that are sold online, the at-home ones where you just like prick your finger, they're testing for IgG antibodies. And it is just not a reliant way to look at food sensitivities because our body naturally produces these when we are eating food or when we're frequently exposed to a food. So a lot of times people get test results back and they'll find that the foods they ate recently are the ones that are the most reactive. So if you, if anyone who is watching this has ever done a food sensitivity test and you cut out a ton of foods because of it, try introducing those foods back in because there's a good chance that you probably can actually tolerate them um, and you don't want to eliminate foods that you don't want to. So what would be a more accurate thing or what would be some credible tests you recommend? So in terms of food sensitivity, what I do is called the MRT test. So it's a mediator response test. And what it does is it's actually looking at your immune cells uh, response with with releasing mediators, which is essentially uh, what can cause inflammation within our body. So you do have to go into a center and have blood drawn versus doing it at home. So it's that extra step, which I know isn't always convenient, but it actually tests for, I believe it's like 160 to 170 different foods and uh, different chemicals that are commonly found in foods. And it shows you exactly how your body's reacting to them. And I have found that to be so much more accurate than any other food sensitivity test on the market. And I've taken that test and I can, my experience is it gives you this highly foods that you're highly in inflammation on, middle and low. Yeah. And you can really change your diet. Like for me, it was, it's lemon, turkey, and what was it? Shrimp. Huh. And I was like, those are like my favorite foods. And so that was five, six years ago. How often do you think we should re-retest that? Yeah. Does our bodies change that much? Again, back to this aging, does our bodies change over time? Yeah. So it's, it's a tricky one. If okay. you have a true allergy to a food, it's not going to change. You know, if you were okay. born allergic to shrimp, you can't add shrimp back in later in life. 
Damn it. That being said, (laughs) there's something to be said about intestinal permeability and how that can impact your body's reaction to food. So essentially, like we're talking about our gut lining, right? So we have this mucus layer, right? Then we have our epithelial cells. That is like our gut lining. And then beneath that, there's a large portion of our immune cells. About 70% of our immune cells are located there, which is why gut health and immune health are so closely connected. But what happens is when we have an imbalance of good and bad bacteria or we have a lot of inflammation, the mucus layer uh, becomes compromised. And as a result, a lot of times it also compromises our gut lining mm. and it causes intestinal permeability, aka leaky gut. I know that's not the official term, but I'm going to say it anyway. The issue with this is that our gut lining is closed for a reason. We're supposed to keep everything in our gut that's in our gut and it's not supposed to get into our bloodstream. Right. But when leaky gut occurs, all these undigested food particles and toxins, they kind of escape uh, out of our gut lining. They enter into where our immune system is and our body does what it's supposed to do and it attacks it because it sees it as this like foreign object. Problem with this is that it can cause a lot of those common food sensitivity uh, symptoms like Mm. bloating and gas. And so a lot of times if we can really focus on healing and sealing your gut lining, it can improve tolerance to a number of different foods. So it's definitely situational, but I've seen a lot of people who were like, I've eaten gluten my entire life. I started having digestive issues. I couldn't tolerate gluten or dairy. Once we work together, once we get their gut lining back, once we address, you know, dysbiosis or underlying issues, they can actually reintroduce those foods. So for leaky gut, okay, so two parts to this. Leaky gut is actually a condition because it's kind of, some people say it's not, and it is. Your take is, it's a a condition. My take is, is, I think with gut health also, we have to realize that it is such a new topic I mean, when we're talking about overall in like the medical field and other uh, diagnoses that have been around for years, I think that as we kind of see it grow and there's more research, I think things like leaky gut will become true diagnoses, but it just isn't there yet. Um, that being said, what I use on the GI map, it's a measure called zonulin, which is essentially looking at tight junctions in your gut lining. And when we see very high levels of zonulin, it's a very good indicator of leaky gut. So there are ways to measure it. Um, I don't think everyone has leaky gut, but I do see it quite frequently with the clients I work with. And how can it be treated and managed? Yeah, it it depends. First, you have to kind of remove the fire. If you think about like your your digestive tract as a house on fire, okay. if you are continuously adding fuel to it, you're never going to put it out. Right. So that fuel could be stress. It could be diet related. It could be chemical related. It could be you know environment, lifestyle, alcohol, so many different things. But if we don't remove the fuel, we're just going to continuously have that house burn down. So the first step is always removing those triggers, putting the fire out, and then starting to rebuild. When we're in that rebuild stage, it really depends. But there are things like colostrum and zinc carnosine and marshmallow root and DGL. All of these things can be really fantastic. You know, food-wise, big fan of bone broth, big fan of collagen powder, but it's absolutely treatable. It just does take time. It's not like an overnight, you know, take one supplement and you wake up feeling magically incredible. So dealing with gut health and timing, it's yeah. not immediate. And a lot of people assume that when you take yeah. take these pills or when you work with a, a nutritionist, a dietitian, you're a gut health specialist, it's not immediate. Yeah. It's yeah. not just dietary, nope. but it's also I'm hearing a lot of lifestyle changes have to be implemented too. Yeah. Yeah. I think, again, it goes back to that like instant gratification. Okay. We want quick results, but especially when it comes to digestive issues, what I always say is if you've been struggling with digestive issues for years, which most people have, you're not going to fix those issues overnight or even you know within a week or within a two weeks. Right. Usually we're talking like four to six months or so yeah. plus depending on what's going on. So it's it's definitely not a quick fix. I think anytime you see a supplement that's like 
oh, heal your digestive issues in seven days. Or like, I took this and, you know, I lost 10 pounds in a week. Red flag. You've got to like run the other direction because it's just not possible. You know, it takes time to heal your body. And with gut health and stress and, you know, society being this push, 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 go, go, go. Do you see a lot of people, clients coming in and a lot of it is stress? Yeah. Yeah. I think that if you're having digestive issues and you are not addressing nervous system regulation, you need to start doing that right away. When our body, so we have our our parasympathetic and our sympathetic nervous system, right? And our sympathetic nervous system is that like fight and flight, you know, what happens when we're in an emergency situation. And it's important that we have that because in a true emergency situation, we need our body to react the way that it's going to. But unfortunately, I think so many of us live in this like chronic fight and flight state. We glamorize hustle culture. We glamorize working all the time and not having any time to relax. And because of that, we have a dysregulated nervous system. So focusing on nervous system regulation and really being in a parasympathetic state that kind of rest and digest makes a massive difference when it comes to digestion. And what are some strategies people could start implementing today yeah. after listening to this podcast to reduce that stress? Yeah. I think it's it's different for everyone right. with what like works to, to de-stress you. I think things like yoga, breath work is super, super powerful. Um, meditation can be a great option. Or maybe it's just reading a book or going for a walk. One super easy tool that you can do, have you ever heard of deep belly breathing? I've heard of it, but I have never really, let's hear it. So deep belly breathing, the idea behind it is that we want to stimulate your vagus nerve and get your body into this like parasympathetic rest and digest state before eating a meal. So when we eat and we're stressed, our body downregulates digestion, which is going to slow down motility. It's going to impact the way that we break down and absorb nutrients. So we want to be eating in a relaxed state. So what you can do is you breathe in through your nose for six seconds, hold it for six seconds, out through your mouth for six seconds, hold it for six seconds, repeat it three to four times, and then eat your meal. It sounds silly. Right before we eat. Right before you eat, especially if you're feeling stressed. And it works. Yeah. 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 And it's crazy. I think the cool thing with breath work is that it's free. You can do it no matter where you are. You know, you don't have to have any special tools. It's just your your breath. It's something you always have with you. So no matter where you are, you can always utilize breathing as just a tool to help you relax more and get into a better state. Wait, that is so amazing. Yeah. You could start that right now. Right now. And you do it right before you eat. You need to wait a certain time. They just start it before they eat. Nope. I usually say do it like three to five times before you sit down to eat and then eat your meal. And yeah, it can make a huge difference. Wow. I love that. Isn't that cool? Wait, okay. So there's so many gems today. Okay, as we end the podcast, it is our hot take time. Let's do it. All right, so we are talking about myths that are trendy, controversial, whatever you want to call it, but they're talked about and it's kind of hard to navigate what's true, what's false, what's a myth, and Julie's going to help us. I'm excited. All right, so myth, probiotics and prebiotics are the same thing. That is not true. So probiotics are the live bacteria in your gut. Prebiotics are what feed the probiotics often in the form of fiber. And just quickly on supplements, all supplements are created equally? Absolutely not. Again, quality is everything. Um, Also, just a friendly warning, don't buy your supplements on Amazon if you are doing that. Amazon uh, does not regulate their supplements, and there's a lot of companies that create copycat products, which you never want to be doing. And it's hard to tell because they do a really good job of like, no, it's sold by the company, but it's it's not true. Read the reviews. I was going to say, if you're buying from Amazon, because a lot of times people will make comments and they'll be like, oh, I bought this from the brand and it looks so much different than this one. So 
do do some research, buy directly through the brand, buy through Fullscript, but try not try not to do Amazon. And then really quick on the probiotics, do you take that on an empty stomach? Yes. Typically probiotics on an empty stomach. 30 minutes. How long do you wait before you eat? About 20 minutes before eating. Okay. You hear that. All right. Next myth. All bacteria in the gut are harmful. No. Most bacteria is actually very beneficial. We all will naturally have some level of bad bacteria in our gut. But what is most important is that ratio between the good and the bad. You heard it. Bacteria is not necessarily bad. No, bacteria is good. We need bacteria. Okay, I love that we're squashing these. A healthy gut is solely determined by what you eat. If you listen to this podcast, you know that one is not true. (laughs) (laughs) Lifestyle, environment, mental health. I mean, so many factors. Exercise. Exercise. Air you're breathing, the water you're drinking, everything impacts your gut. Awesome. Taking antibiotics completely destroy the gut microbiome biome and can never fully recover. Yeah, that's a tricky one. Uh, Antibiotics are not good for the gut. I know. Antibiotics, they do what they're supposed to be doing. They kill bad bacteria, viruses, whatever it is. Unfortunately, there's a lot of casualties. They also kill a lot of the good bacteria. You can recover from being on antibiotics. I think first and foremost, limit exposure as much as you can. I do think that they're overprescribed. I think if you don't need them, try not to take them. If you are taking them, start uh, taking high-dose probiotics while you're on them. There's a strain known as Espolardae, which is one of my favorites. Um, It's S-B-O-U-L getting tongue twisted now. I'll tag you. Yeah, we'll we'll L-L-A-R-D-I. I'll drop it. We'll put it in the show notes below and then you can have that. But it's a really fantastic strain to be on while on antibiotics because it can help to reduce a lot of those common side effects that you get. And then after coming off antibiotics, you really got to focus on replenishing that gut microbiome, fermented foods, plenty of plant diversity, getting on a good quality probiotic. But you just got to be aggressive in your approach with it. You heard her. Mm -hmm. Don't mess around, you guys. Gut health has no connection to mental health or emotional well-being. We know that one too. It absolutely does. If Okay, myth. If you don't experience digestive symptoms, your gut is perfectly healthy. I think not true um, because yeah. a lot of times your gut might be off and it could be kind of uh, coming off in other ways like skin issues or mental health issues. So I would always say you want to look at the big picture. And gluten-free diet is beneficial for everyone's gut health. No, I am not one of those people who thinks that gluten-free is best for everyone. Um, I know there are some practitioners that do believe that. In my opinion, gluten-containing foods also have a lot of nutrients. And so if we don't need to cut it out, there's no reason to. Some people are sensitive to it. But I think that the more we can include in our diet, the healthier our gut's going to be. Again, I think it's just that what works for some people doesn't necessarily work for everyone. And I think not comparing ourselves to what's who does gluten-free, oh, because it's trendy or because they can say that they're gluten-free, just like a CrossFitter announcing that they CrossFit all the time. Like, it might not work for your body, right? Yeah, it is. Everybody is so unique in that way. All right, two more. You can cleanse or detox your gut through specific products or diets. So there are certain foods and herbs that can help support detox pathways, but I wouldn't say that there's any single cleanse or detox that's going to magically help your body out in any significant way. And last one, gut health issues are only related to digestion and have no impact on other body symptoms. Nope. False. We think we covered that one pretty well. I think the biggest thing is that your gut just impacts every system in your body. So when you have a healthy gut, you're going to be a healthy human. When you have an unhealthy gut, you're going to see it in a number of different ways and how you're feeling in your body. 
Well, you guys, 45 minutes went by so fast. That did go by so fast. You really? told me. You warned me I about know. that. I know. It's like the hardest part is setting up for me, but it's just, it's <laughs> such an honor to have you here. Thank Where you. can people find you? Yeah. So my business is Nutrition by Julie. So my Instagram and my TikTok are both Nutrition by Julie. My website is www.nutritionbyjulie.net or .com. Both of them take you to the same place. And then if anyone has any specific questions for me, my email is hello at nutritionbyjulie.net. And any special offers or anything you're running with your business personally that people can take advantage of with Nutrition by Julie? Yeah. So if anyone is interested in doing some gut testing with a GI map and one-on-one coaching, um, I will offer anyone who wants to do it. we got to create a code for it. Yeah, we'll create a code. But we'll do 20% off. Yeah. Look in the show notes. Obviously, again, Julie, it's been amazing to have you. you here. This was so much fun. I appreciate it. I was going to say, it's so nice to meet face-to-face. And uh, yeah. this was so much fun. All right, guys. If you've missed anything, if you like this episode, like, share, subscribe, look for Julie. She has such amazing videos that are full of education and we just start today, right? Yeah. All right. Thanks guys. I hope today's episode left you better than when I found you. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and tune in every Monday to kickstart your week and set your weekly intentions with me. You can find me and HFH on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, or online at heycourtneybrook.com. I firmly believe in the power of sharing. If you know someone else who would benefit from this podcast, please share it with them. And remember, when you work on you, I get to be there. Mm